The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I've kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were perplexed at these words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it's impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. May be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. Three people. That's okay. One, two, three, four. Uh, see, there's four. That's okay. Ah, that's okay. We still have plenty of people to do good work. So. Oh, hey. Mm-hmm. You did good at school. Yes, I did. Excellent. You know what? You actually brought up the topic I wanted to talk about the first time, which is family. Do you guys know about family? Yes. Are you guys part of the family? Yeah. So you're so you're experts, right? You're good at you're good at knowing about family. So let me I want you guys to tell me about family. How uh, how did you guys become a part of your family? Yeah? I was born. You were born, right? <laughs> and your mom and your dad, uh, they they uh, they love you and they raise you and you're part of the family. Yeah, what were you going to say, Lorenzo? We didn't born. 
You were born with a family. Very good. Now there's some people, uh, like I've got friends, who were adopted. Do you know what that means? Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they become a part of a family, not because they were born into it, but because uh, their mom and their dad loved them so much that they became a part of their family as well. So they're not necessarily born into it, but they're loved into it. They're loved and they're claimed. That's a really powerful way to be family too. Are they both family? Yes. Yep. And they're both really good families too. They're nice boots. Did someone in your family get them for you? Yeah, yeah. They care for us and they clothe us and they feed us. Now, did you know that uh, God is into adopting people? What? What? Now, were you all baptized already? Yeah. Yeah? Were you baptized? I think you were. I think so. I think you, I know you were, Deanna. Now, in your baptisms, did you know that God adopted you? That's pretty cool. We have a shocked look. That, what that means is that you are a brother and sister through God to all of God's family. And so, in God's eyes, you and I, we're brothers and sisters. And everyone else here, everyone else, even if they're old and even if they're really, really young, they're brothers and sisters too. Um, look what's back of you got. Pastor Ben. Yep. What do we got? The picture? <laughs> Yeah, those are some of Jesus' originally adopted brothers and sisters. They were with him the whole time. They're called disciples. And his mom's even there. His mom's standing in the center. That's Jesus' mom, Mary. You're related to all them, too. Did you know you had brothers and sisters that were that old? No. Now, just like family, what does family do? We love each other and we care for each other, right? That's what we do here as a church. That's what we're... That's the reason, one of the many, many reasons, that we come together every Sunday. It's so that we can show each other that we love one another. That we can encourage one another. That if we're down or need help, we help one another. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty cool. Taking a nap? Do you care for him? Just like we do. Yeah. We have a lot of toys. Yeah, we even set toys in the back of the church so that you guys can play too. We care for one another. That's what we do. So here, here's a question. Who's somebody that you can care for this week? Yeah, everybody. Excellent answer. My mom. That's a heavy workload. Your mom, very good. Parents in general, they need a lot of care, let me tell you. They need a lot of care. But if you help out as best you know how with your parents, and even with your friends. You're being a part of the family that God adopted you to be. And just like adoption, just like your parents, God loves you very, very much and will always love you, no matter what. Thank you. They keep my feet comfortable. Let's... I know. <laughs> we're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. Okay? Let's pray. God, we give you thanks. and give you thanks for adopting us, for making us brothers and sisters to Jesus and brothers and sisters to each other too. In this brotherhood, in this sisterhood, we ask that we might love one another, that we might care for each other. We might care for our parents and for our friends and for those we don't even know. 
and that you would care for us too. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah, there's the snacks. We got this pattern down. I made sure there's plenty today. I know. That's called abundance. For your mom? Yeah. There you go. Sharing is good. Bye. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Today's text, I, uh, I see is Matthew's version of the prodigal son. Now the prodigal son isn't really in the, it's not Matthew, Mark. In today's text from Mark, it's, uh, I see it as uh, uh, Mark's version of the prodigal son. Now, the prodigal son is not in Mark. It's actually in Luke. It's like Luke, the 15th chapter, the 17th or the 13th. It's one of those odd-numbered chapters somewhere in that range. So you can go home and read it. Now, before, uh, before the prodigal son, there's a set of two different uh, parables that accompanies the prodigal son, right? The first one is the, the shepherd or the man who loses a sheep, and he leaves the 99 and goes, finds uh, the lost one, he brings it back and celebrates a ton, right? And then again, they say the kingdom of God is like a, a woman who's lost a coin, and she searches for that single coin all through the house and then finds it and calls all her friends over to celebrate. Now, in both of those instances... Uh, we're told uh, that these parables show us what the kingdom of God is like. That the kingdom of God bends towards the lost, towards those in need. So much so that there's great celebrating when we're all made together again, when we're all made one. And the third parable in that string is in a very extended parable that shows us the story of the prodigal son. It shows us the relationships the incredibly meaningful relationships, the tenderheartedness, the struggle, the strife, everything. That's a part of this kingdom of God mentality. Now, uh, the way that Mark starts this particular story, uh, he doesn't set it up necessarily as a parable. He sets it up as something that happens to Jesus uh, in actuality. But the premise is remarkably similar. Without being similar in its structure, we have a young man uh, one who's uh, beginning to take ownership of his life, and that's very similar to the prodigal son. And we have a young man that wants to deal with issues of inheritance. Again, incredibly similar. In the prodigal son story, we hear that uh, the young man came up to his father and said, hey, give me my inheritance. And finally, the father split his inheritance between his two sons, and the eldest stayed and worked the farm, and the oldest went away, spent it all, blew it all, and eventually lived with the hogs. Not a great example of inheritance I don't know, responsibility. But here, the young man has a little more sense, right? And so he comes up to Jesus, he kneels, he takes a very respectful attitude, and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, these two stories kind of deal with the same thing. And that is the permanence and the irreplaceability the, the, the inability to divide, to separate, to remove. What's really important in inheritance, which is that claiming relationship. So initially, this uh, young man in Mark, he asked what he must do to inherit eternal life, and Jesus' answer is honestly the same as ours. Now he lists off um, initially 
what's at the beginning of all Ten Commandments, right? Why do you call me good? There's no one good but God alone. And those first three commandments deal with God alone. Right? The first commandment, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And the third commandment, uh, to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. To keep yourself separate and meaningful as a people of God. In confirmation, we learn ways of remembering all Ten Commandments, and they're really helpful. <laughs> but those first three deal with God and being God's people. And then Jesus lists kind of the rest of them, right? To, to not to defraud and not to deceive and to honor your father and mother. And I didn't do any of those in order. But irregardless, he maps out the Ten Commandments for him. And the young man says, I've kept all of those since my youth. The young man recognizes, as we should too, that keeping all those since your youth is not how you receive, is not what you do to inherit eternal life. And then Jesus loved him. There it is. That's what you do to inherit eternal life. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. What did you do for your inheritance? Now, sometimes we have to do certain things and we jump through hoops and all this kind of good stuff. Those are human creations. What you do for inheritance is you're gifted into it. You're born into it. You receive it not because of something that you did or because of the wonderful person that you are, but because this is yours. Because that person who owned it first said it was yours. That's what Jesus does, right? That's what Jesus does in our baptismal waters. You're mine. And it's not after you got your life straight, and it's not after you become this wonderful person, it's not after some intense personal calling, it's simply, you are God's. First and foremost. The story goes on uh, as a part of that love with a calling, right? Sell all you have, sell your possessions, give that money to the poor. Then you'll have great treasure in heaven. After that, come follow me. This is the part that crushes the young man. He goes away weeping because he has a ton of possessions. Now for us, for me, I have a hard time imagining what I must do to inherit eternal life, what I must give up. I know what I want to become. When I was reading this story today, I thought of um, how I was slowly becoming a part of the Vogt household. So you know Kristen Vogt, my fantastic wife, and her family um, are uh, intensely devout Penn State fans. And, uh, and what I must do to become a part of the Vogt family is to pay attention at all to Penn State. Now, I will firmly confess that I, before Christian Hackenberg, which is the latest quarterback, I have no idea who was the quarterback for Penn State. I, didn't, I don't care when they played. I don't care what they did. I don't care the score. But because I am now a part of the Boat family, I better bone up a little bit on Penn State uh, trivia. And not to mention my context and calling right here. It is good to know what Penn State is doing. Beyond that, beyond that, I've, uh, I've learned an incredible amount about the Shenandoah Valley, where uh, Kristen's father has learned and worked for years. I've learned an incredible amount about uh, the Norwegian people that have moved all the way over to South Dakota because that's where uh, Kristen's mom grew up and that's where uh, her grandfather grew up uh, and farmed and worked the land and all that kind of good stuff. 
I learned an, an incredible amount about, uh, about what Kristen does, about what Kristen's calling is, and uh, in being uh, uh, a person who works for LWR and has an incredible sense of stewardship of the entire life, not just money, especially money, but not just money, of, of who we are as beings. I wish I could articulate it as well as she does. I became a part of this family. But it's not because I know who Christian Hackenberg is that I'm now a part of the vote family. It's, it's because the votes are incredibly warm and welcoming people and they simply wanted to be, me to be a part of it. Before, <laughs> before Penn State, there was an open door and food on the table and a place to sleep. Before Penn State, there was love for me who did absolutely nothing to deserve it and still has done very little to deserve it. I made promises to Kristen that I hope to keep with all of my being, but I realize right now and so vividly that I'm going to fall short time and time again on these things. There's an incredible learning curve when it comes to marriage, and your very young pastor is learning those very, very quickly. And at the same time, at the same time, these people love me. This person who has the ability to not be so great to their daughter loves me. That's an incredible love. I'm lucky to have that. I'm lucky to be a part of it. And I have done nothing to earn this inheritance. Rather, it was just given to me. We are lucky to be people of God. I don't think we always think of ourselves that way, do we? I mean, you are God's people. That's who you are. There's no, I mean, there's plenty of other people of God in this world. Let me tell you, there are tons and tons of people who God claims, whether, whether we recognize them or not, but you are God's people. And you've done nothing to deserve it, but it is a wonderful gift to be a part of. There is so much love and so much grace and so much caring and so much hope and peace and being these people. We are bound to some of the best people I know when we're brothers and sisters through Christ. We are bound to some of the most frustrating people I know as well. But we're God's people. And after this gift inheritance comes something that we struggle with. What do we do? to follow the one who gave us this gift? Well, we have an answer that doesn't really bend very well. Give up everything you have, sell it to, uh, give it to the sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then pick up your cross and follow Christ. And as I think of the things inside my house right now, in the very literal sense of this translation, uh, there's some things I don't mind giving away, like, you know what, I bet I could live life without a bunch of those books, and I bet I could live life without a couple of those chairs, and I bet I could live life without one of those pairs of shoes. But honestly, at the end of the day, I'm really, really tired, and I don't want to give up the recliner. Like, I just don't. It seems silly and stupid, but I want to sit down. I just do. But there's something that calls me to give what I have to other people. To my brothers and sisters and everybody else. I doubt I give up my recliner. But, but, I do know that I have something in my ledger. I got to give something. And it's not because that, uh, that I earn my inheritance that way. It's because 
I want to be in relationship with this person who called me his. I want, to, I want to be a part of this. And if I want to be a part of this, I got to do something. Same with you guys. I know you want to be a part of this. You've told me. I don't know what you're going to give. But we have a lot. What will you give? What's that thing that's both important to you and needed in this world? So many of you have stories that you can give. So many of you have opportunities. Whatever it is, the gospel leaves us once again with an incredible graceful call. An incredibly hard thing in that calling. You are people of God. You are God's people. You are brothers and sisters. You are my brothers and sisters. And I am so happy that I get to live and dwell and work this Christian calling with you. And now, what are we going to give? Thank God that he's with us. May God be with us. Amen.